Hello and welcome to Point Streak, a podcast where we talk everything gaming and the issues that concern gamers. We're all members and contributors at Enthusiacs.com, and thank you for joining us again. Uh, that's uh, www.enthusiacs.com. Our Twitter, fo- Twitter feed, at Enthusiacs, and our YouTube channel is Enthusiacs for all, video- all our video content. Uh, I am Jeff, or Baron Fang, and uh, my guest today, welcome again to uh, G-Man from the UK. Thanks again. Hello. <laughs> that time difference is not getting any easier. Um, and uh, an old friend, uh, Ed, who is uh, also a review writer at SpaceSector.com, uh, which is a st- strategy game enthusiast uh, site, I guess that's the best way to put it. Indeed, uh, science fiction, but we do a bit of fantasy. Ah, okay. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, and like we always uh, kick it off on uh, on Point Streak, we cover uh, what have we been playing. And uh, for me, uh, it's been Borderlands on the Xbox 360. I must be the last person to disco- have discovered this game. And I wish I'd picked it up sooner, <laughs> but I'm uh, co-oping that at the moment. And it is uh, it is great fun. I wish I'd uh, gotten on board with that uh, sooner. It's it's mindlessly addictive RPG shooter on what about you g-man what have you been playing uh it's a mix between planetary annihilation some of the sea and skyrim you you know you're for a game that you recently gave a warm uh review to but a a, a tentative sort of wait until it is in full release uh recommendation yeah. on for sunless sea you're sure playing it an awful lot <laughs> well you know it's not as if i can't find fun from it it's just <laughs> it isn't a finished product Right, right. Uh, yeah, but no. Just out of curiosity, because I am keeping my eye on it, when is it expected to be a finished product? Um, it's uh, in, it's in Emerald now, and it's got um, quite a few stages to go through yet, so probably looking about the end of the year, though, I'd have to check for sure. I'm going to nod and well, pretend sorry, I know Emerald Sorry, not the end of the year, for... end of next year. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it's stages they've been bit. So end of next year, sorry. Yeah, end of next year. Right. Okay, and how about uh, how about you, Ed? Yeah, I've been spending most of my time playing uh, Civilization Five, obviously in preparation for Beyond Earth, and I've been playing Company of Heroes Two. Okay. Uh, both strategy games, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's not uh, waste any more time. We're this is a topic that uh, you know it's funny we we wanted to do this topic in Enthusiacs a while ago. This has been a chestnut for all of us for a while, and then. The proverbial shit hit the fan <laughs> a couple of weeks and ago, it made it much, and suddenly, much more yeah, suddenly it went from being on the list to the top of the list. Uh, we actually had a lot of interested parties in doing this, but I just thought if we had five or six people on this, it, we'd be here for days. And uh, uh, you guys seemed as good a choice as, as any to, to talk about this on a, on, a, on a Sunday. So yeah, we're gonna get into j- gaming journalism um, and and why <laughs> why everyone's. Uh, got to be in their bonnet about it at the moment and, and indeed has for a long time it's just uh something's been set off recently um i'm not gonna spend a huge amount of time i don't, I don't know do i think we should going into the background about it anyone following gamergate and and the zoe quinn conspiracy and all that stuff uh, is aware of uh of, of the various machinations uh if if you if you need an understanding as to why it blew it up as big as it did i think the short the short sort of version is there was a scandal involving an already, is it fair to say, controversial slash unpopular figure? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, especially yeah. what she uh, particularly represents well. Right. So already already a uh, controversial figure. Uh, throw in a bit of sex, which, you know, let's face it, anytime you throw in sex to something, that spices it up a bit. Uh, then all the ethical stuff that was brought up by the, those you know, allegations. You follow that up by 
silence, silence. wider game silence. media paired with a blackout and yeah. censorship, which always pisses people off. I mean, when does that ever work? <laughs> it never works. Yeah. It never works. And and then the coup de gras, which is I think the fi- the final, uh, you know, uh, light the powder keg was the snarky articles <laughs> that came out with just a. I think there was about nine or ten of them, just in quick succession, that just slamming was, gamers. Uh, Within twenty four hour period, was, it was ten articles. Yeah. There was an eleventh straggler in the forty eight hour <laughs> yeah. period. So you those those things in quick relatively quick succession as as you pointed out within a forty eight hour period uh, and just before PAX it was yeah a day before PAX yes yeah and uh, <sighs> things just blew up so now I you know before we get into it I don't I don't really care for the argument that because things started for a particular because something set it off that wasn't purely kosher. cut and dry or kosher that that somehow taints the entire discussion discussion. I think if some good comes into this discussion, who cares that it started in, in a particularly slimy, messy way? And, you know, there's a lot um, of that happened that was messy, but I think it's still a worthwhile discussion, is it not? I'm sure Five Guys Burgers yeah. and Fries uh, is a clean establishment. I'm sure they, they respect <laughs> the health standards. Full, 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 full burgers that they are. No, I'm, I'm going to Godwin this. Uh, a lot of our technology we take for granted today came from horrible Nazi experiments. I don't see anyone saying we shouldn't have used it. Yeah. Jet fighters, Fire. rockets, modern tanks. Yeah, yeah. I exactly. Look, I, I think to say that it, you know you, we can't talk about it because there was a bit of uh, you know unpleasantness around the start is a bit ridiculous. Um, and it's not and it's not like you know the, the accusations that no one cared about gaming journalism before. Like where were these people when Gershman got? I mean, did Twitter exist in two thousand seven? For one thing. <laughs> yes. Yes, but it wasn't quite so popular. <laughs> anyway, I don't have a problem with these multiple. Uh, gates, if we want to call them that, I <laughs> or uh, uh, you know, I think Eric Kane kind of talked about this as the third great scandal or whatever in a succession of scandals. And although he pointed out there's actually probably been a lot of mini scandals along the way, so here we are. Um, and look, a lot of people are a lot of people are up in arms about it, and there's a lot of journalists that are either fighting back or keeping their head down. Very little, <laughs> very little in between. Um, I'll, I'll bring up a, I'll bring up a point that's been used. To almost kind of quiet things down a bit is this concept of an enthusiast press versus journalism. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll start with you, G-Man. Do you, clearly, that's where the gaming press, the media that we have to do, started. That was the starting point. But does that excuse the lack, the lack of ethics and the the lack of polish? Like, does does that really count anymore as an argument against why there should be standards? Um, not really. Um, if you if you are going to use the title of gaming journalist, then I'm going to expect you to abide by the same ethical standards I expect from journalists. You know, you cannot just on the one hand say I'm a blogger when the shit's getting hitting the fan and you're looking for cover, and then when you're looking for exclusive access, say or you know prestige. <laughs> oh, I'm a gaming journalist. I yeah. provide the news and. You either choose one or the other, and you know the overall tone has been for the major publications to say they are gaming journalists. So such a argument is not really relevant. It's kind of a it's kind of a fallacy by their own admission because they do say they are journalists. So yeah. Do you think would, they 
thing. Do you think they deserve the tag, Ed, or is this just <laughs> proof that it was always kind of a, bro <laughs> a broken oh. Oh. definition to begin with? Uh, it was a broken definition, and they don't deserve the tag. And if I could add to the question you first asked from, <laughs> from G-Man, is that I'm going to use two examples. The first one is myself, not to be narcissistic. I do apologize, but I label myself a review writer, and prior to that, a columnist. Hmm. I never considered myself a journalist, and to be fair, I never have. I don't have that level of training, nor did I have that capacity. But I would like to think I abided to a code of ethics that is hmm. like light years ahead of what these people do. Yeah. And my second example is actually Total Biscuit, who is a YouTube commentator. That's like how he labels himself, right? Yeah. And he too has extreme sense of professionalism, transparency, disclosure. If there's might be a conflict of interest, if he's sponsoring something or was sponsored, he says it and mm -hmm. technically tries to keep at least a professional distance when he can. And it's like, this is it, a review writer and a YouTube commentator. And we exercise more journalist ethics than the entire, like, this slew of magazines combined into one. Um, it's, yes. So. Yeah. We're, we're start, something that we're already starting to see as a, I think, positive result of this uh, discussion is, is um, creation or expansion of ethical guidelines on some of the major publications or clarification if they already existed. Uh, have, have, you re have you read through any of these yet, G-Man, or are they still boilerplates uh, at this point? Or? There's about two updates that have happened. The third's going to happen on Monday, which, from what I've heard, is promised to be substantially more pleasing, mm. shall we say. Um, so, But the first two updates were regarding Patreon <coughs> and Kotaku's and Polygon's stance on those. So Kotaku took the stance that supporting the people you are covering with money is ethically compromising and mm. it's now banned for their writers. Right. Polygon took the stance that it's not inherently ethically morally compromising, however it is something that the audience should be made aware of, so they yeah. have increased their disclosures. Now, the thing is, is that they already, both these pieces already had ethic, ethical policies. They never followed them. Yeah. They've already been ripping them apart for their failure to follow them so <laughs> it, uh, so they might as well be worth the digital ink they're printed on at the point yeah. do you think it's gonna anymore. do you think it's gonna change anything by them by them uh trumpeting them now ed or no i see without enforcement it's just ink on paper or bits on digital stream in this case and it said i offhand who knows i mean ultimately they might actually shape up you know you could always be hopeful but you know, there's this sense of dread that it just means they might be more careful in the future. I'm a bit of a cynic, so I tend to go like, unless I see enforcement and actual evidence of this, I'm just going to say that, no, the only thing that has changed at this point is we're not going to be sloppy about it anymore. Yeah. yeah, and there's even evidence to that point is that one of the more recent things that's popped up in this gaming gate uh, thing is that they're starting to close their Patreon accounts to outside scrutiny. Uh, yeah, of, yeah. Because uh, that was one of the primary ways we were able to determine who was supporting who, yeah. or mm. rather whom who was supporting whom. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, and they have been shutting them down. And obviously this is insane because if you're shutting them down, then we only have your words that you will enforce them. <laughs> and your word is worth jack and shit at this point. So <laughs> yes, you might uh, as well you might as well be saying, We've got these policies, we won't be bloody following them. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, and 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 the, the whole Patreon thing is just uh, a culmination of a lot of accusations about them being too close. I mean, being friendly is one thing. Interacting regularly is one thing. Fr freebies, which we'll get to in a bit, and I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but it is another thing. But, like, Patreon is another level. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> um, I mean, the word yeah. – I, I know it's not – I know Patreon isn't a word. Is I mean, Patreon's kind of a, a made-up word that's kind of – implies patron i suppose right yes so yes. right right there it implies <laughs> yeah. that you're a supporter the service so, itself is not bad it's just you're sponsoring someone that's literally yeah. what it is it's you it's mass market you you yeah. are their patron yeah you are literally their patron you are paying them to produce content in some way and you know people have made comparisons to kickstarter but i think there is a fundamental difference because in kickstarter you are funding a specific project yes or maybe a specific long-term project but it's always just that project yes. after that your involvement ends yes. it's this is a continuous never-ending supply of money for them to basically make stuff it doesn't yeah. matter what's being made got room to be made just that something will be made yeah and well i'm sorry but if you <laughs> but you have an interest in seeing that your money has some worth later yeah. on if you're doing that you want to see those games do well because that means your money wasn't wasted and that means it's more games yeah and I, you know, another uh, another area that um, I mean, it's it's a little more vague and it's it's difficult to, uh, to to prove. But I've always found that the level of friendliness does seem to lead sometimes to a lack of due diligence and and pushing and 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 searching into things that they would if they didn't otherwise have those close relationships. Like well, yeah. I just find the way that I find the way that Valve gets treated by a lot of writers to be a bit ridiculous. Like what, like how I, I've. Like, you know, what does everyone want to know from Valve? They want to know when Half-Life 3 is coming out. How often do you hear one of the big <laughs> gaming sites when they're talking to Valve, like, even make a passing remark about it? Like, it's it's almost as though they're complicit in just, you know, not pissing them off or, you know, not wanting to uh, do their job <laughs> and actually, like, so, but, you know, ask the hard question. But it's something I never understood. Like, I understand you don't want to burn bridges, but... Like you can be strict but fair. I mean, it's it's a word I heard from like, you know, oddly enough, a person on YouTube. It's kind of funny coming from them, but you can be strict but fair. If you're fair, if 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 your reasoning behind your strictness makes sense, then unless the person's a bit of a you know bl wet blanket, then they understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's contrary to popular belief. It's not because you gave a game a seven out of ten or a six out of ten. I mean, a couple of yeah, some people might have a hissy fit, but. Uh, most people who are professional who do this for a career, they take the bullet. They understand that burning the bridge and severing connections and, and possibly like, because the next time you make a good game, you're not going to be there giving them the good score they were wanting. So, no. yeah, so there is, it's investment in the future and that's what it is. And if you burn that, then you lose that future. And I think that's the whole concept of trust in journalism is that you can trust them. And at this point, what they have done has indicated that we have lost that trust and that investment in the future is now lost. And yes. I don't know if they could recover. Yeah, yeah well, and, and I'll get to the point of whether or not we think it's, you know, what the uh, end, end result or the long-term effects of this be uh, later on, obviously. Um, just uh, changing gears a little bit. Um, why, why does it seem that there's such a disconnect between what journals journalists often write and care about and what the average gamer cares about, um, which is getting a little bit away from the ethical stuff, but it, you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff that's coming up 
in, in this debate seems to focus on the fact that there is that that chasm and uh, you know what where i mean for for you g man what would you say is the is there any one reason why there is that 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 schism there between gamers and the and the people they're supposed to be writing about games um it's a number of reasons but i would primarily say it's politicization of uh video gaming not mm. primarily um I mean, there's also the fact that, you know, video games is becoming more mainstream, so they feel the need to convert rather from just releasing, you know, news pieces and doing the traditional reviews to becoming these culture critics, you know. Um, don't know why, I never asked for that, but, you know, they feel the need to be curating the culture of video gaming mm. for some reason, as well as they feel... Um, maybe they just feel worried about it, uh, worried about the rise of YouTubers and, you know, alternate streams for their content, and they're worried about their monopoly on you know, the exclusive stuff, the really good stuff that keeps keep going back. Yeah. But ultimately, I would say it's primarily the politicization of, uh, of video gaming, as well as the need to be, feel like a culture critic, like, like you, ha like your work has meaning beyond yeah. that of just video games. Yeah. How about you, Ed? Is there any one uh, silver bullet explanation for for it, or is it the design of politicization? I fully agree, but I think it's also a bit of a slice, and this is going to seem a little inflammatory. But I think some of them. I mean, not the ones who write reviews, but you notice a lot of people who write a lot of these op-ed pieces. How many times do they actually review games or like go into depths with the developers? And some do, and you know that's fine. I mean, everyone has political views, but some just like you notice a trend that a few of them don't actually do much game reviewing. So the question is, why are they writing all these culture critic pieces, as G Man Dam said? And ultimately, it boils down to is I don't think, and I don't want to use the term they're not gamers because you know the whole fake gamer. But no, uh. it's, not the of, it's not the fake gamer argument I'm making here. It's that you know maybe play a couple of games. Who knows? Maybe who knows? But like the point is, is that it doesn't feel like they're interested in the games themselves as much as the culture or the things around gaming. I mean. I'm, study I'm studying political science, and I'm very interested in politics, but I'm not running for office. It's kind of like that. They're, they might be interested in the concept of the video game, and you know, they might even play some games, and they might actually be self-identified gamers. But it's like when you read sometimes their commentaries, it's like you feel they didn't ever play the game they're talking about. Mm. You know? Yes. Yeah. Or, or they're looking at it in a very different way than the, than yes. the person who'd be reading the. Yeah, it's you know, it's like um, the traditional gamer would look at it. Is it you know, is it good? How does the gameplay work? Yeah. Are there any interesting mechanics? What's the story like? You know, stuff like that. They seem it, but it seems to be more common to focus on societal issues and things yeah. like you who, know how progressive and who is the jerk off that was saying that fun should be removed because it's uh i <laughs> yeah. think it's... it was a game of sutra article though i'd have to check which one. how dare someone you know like uh, the the I I've seen some stuff. Well, how how are we supposed to be objective? There's personal opinion. Well, yeah, obviously we expect that opinion to be part of it. But like, if if you're also going to say uh, fun, which is a uh, difficult to define concept, but it matters. <laughs> and if you're going to say that it doesn't matter, then why are you oh, doing you're games? Mis <laughs> you're misquoting. He didn't say it doesn't matter. He's saying it's almost bad. Like, well, yeah. yeah. He says <laughs> at worst is functionally at best it is functionally meaningless at worst it is a poisonous concept a poisonous concept yeah yeah god i mean god yeah. forbid anyone should want to know whether or not it's enjoyable like yeah, let, me, I know. let me just use an example and and i'm not bringing up jingy sterling for any other reason than than just because i it's in the front of my mind 
anyone who's seen some of his YouTube comment videos, particularly on his channel, knows that every once in a while he'll just start playing Dynasty Warriors <laughs> and then talking over it. <laughs> yes. And he's a defender of Dynasty Warriors, even though it's kind of a duh game in ter in terms of like, you know, it's just yeah. a it's just an action game. But yeah. it's fun, you know, like and you can see why he enjoys it. Like I it's not my cup of tea, but I can understand why and why somebody would find that sort of thing fun. And uh, do you think that he would give any other reason that it, that, you know, his biggest reason for playing it would be fun. You know, why is it a poisonous concept? I, I don't get that, uh, that way of thinking. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's when you see this kind of thing, that's what's so easy to assume. Like, do they even play games? I mean, it's like, yeah, it sounds like you're treading waters on that sort of false accusation, but I said here, it's not a question that they're gamers or not. It's a question is, do they play games in the same context that, mm. you know, a gamer would. And, yeah. and you feel that there's a divorce or a separation, like, and it's like, it's a disconnect. Like if they were writing for like, let's say a newspaper article and discussing the culture and politics of gaming, then maybe that sort of lens would make sense for them. But for a gaming website where gamers go to get news about gaming, it seems to be the wrong filter to wear. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it seems to be a, a strange perspective to have. I, uh, I kicked in my two cents about this uh, on uh, enthusiasts. I, I wrote an article which I encourage you to give it give a look at uh, called uh, "What the Games as an Art Form Has Wrought," and it's just sort of my theory as to where we are, where we are. And to give you the short version, basically, uh, everybody decided one day that uh, games were going to be an art, and everyone celebrated. <laughs> Within gaming, mind you, no one outside gaming noticed that this had happened. It was it was uh, it was something it's that we all decided. Relatively irrelevant for them. Yeah. Uh, and what happens when you define something as an art is inevitably you start to see it get criticized and looked at in a more, um, I don't know, academic, is that right? The right way to look at it sort of yeah, point? I'd say, I'd say so. more critical, I guess, uh, like other art forms. And eventually someone comes along and goes too far and decides that there's a correct way to look at things. And I think that's part of where we're at now is that, you know, a lot of these comment, uh, you know, gaming commentators and critics and journalists have decided that they appreciate games and the and understand them in a a more nuanced way than the average gamers, and they end up looking down their nose at everybody, and that goes a long way to explain the disconnect. Uh, and of course, you know, because they all have already have certain you know political leanings or, or beliefs, they can't help themselves but want to you know inject that into everything <laughs> about the games. Yeah. And meanwhile, their audience is still back on. But is it fun? What's the gameplay yeah. like? And oh. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but they seem to think there's something wrong with that. And that, to me, that goes a long way to explaining these articles where people are saying, you know, you know comparing gamers to fucking troglodytes or Morlocks, yeah. as, like, as I call them, to borrow the H.G. Wells. Or uh, to say that we're terrorists. Yeah, yeah or I, exactly. Yeah, can I interject? Yes. Um, it makes me think, um, basically, this is a very short angle. Don't worry, I'll keep it short. Um, I was once like discussing with friends what we consider a gold RPG of all time. And of course, Knights of the Old Republic 1 came up, uh, Baldur's Gate uh, came up, Night Neverwinter Nights, things like that. And someone says Knights of the Old Republic 2. And obviously everyone was looking at him and went, well, the game was unfinished and it was basically messy. And, you know, the story was a little bizarre and was like, ah, but that's you didn't know the parts they cut out. If you think of the potential and it literally the person was convinced it was the best RPG because of the vision they constructed in their own head based on the rumors of what was cut out. That's what made it the best game. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I don't care what the potential was. And I don't care what the developer told you should have been in it. Yeah, It's what in my hand is what I'm going to have to What was to the judge. finished product? What was the finished product? Yeah, and, and, and it's not 
pure reductionism. It, 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 that's the product you play. I mean, after the fact, with hindsight, you could he could say whatever he wants, and you could fill in the blank however you want. So you're just saying your imagination of that game is the best game ever. However, I don't live in your head. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the at the yeah. at the risk of going completely off the rails, I think that's part of the reason that Depression Quest and Gone Home got overpraised um, because they they were getting praised for. Well, one, that they were quote-unquote brave, and two, that they had potential. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but they, you know, like Gone Home, an interesting enough game. I've played it. I don't think it's worthy of Game of the Year consideration, and it was from quite a few sites and received quite a lot of... I think it got overpraised because for whatever reason, they decided to forgive its shortcomings and just like they did in the case of Kortor 2, focus on all the stuff that... (laughs) <laughs> on all the stuff that isn't necessarily important like is the finished product actually a fun playable game like and you know depression well, quest is even more extreme like it was barely you know i i hesitate the words that ter- use the term barely a game but it was so sophomoric that you have to wonder what is it does it deserve praise simply because it was a topic that is difficult and hasn't been brought up a lot before is that enough reason to throw a lot of praise at something i don't know uh, i don't I don't think it is, to be honest. I think the thing is about gaming is that it's an interactive medium and its primary focus is for fun. I'm, I, you know, it's like there should definitely should be praise for tackling serious issues, but it should always be in the context of, yes, you tackled a serious issue. Mm. Now, if it isn't any fun, no one is going to bloody play it. <laughs> yeah. Partially, yeah, to, you be know. De- to be devil's advocate, it's obviously a sto- game about depression, so I don't see how you can make it fun. But think of <laughs> yes. Spec Ops The well, Line. Are... Spec Ops The Line was supposed to show you the brutalities of war. I mean, you, mm. you, Spec Ops The Line, in theory, shouldn't be fun, but I never heard anyone complain that it wasn't fun. Sure, they had to throw up in a bucket while playing it, yeah. but no <laughs> one complained about the but game I, itself. I think... I think the fun aspect of that game though was part of the part of the point is that you know you're having fun while you're doing some of the worst stuff that you could ever do. It's yeah. that you know it, it's the juxtaposition that really makes it interesting. Yeah, and to add uh, something being different or unique is not automatically a compliment. To uh, make a meme picture, once I saw is it shows a bunch of forks and one of them is completely bent and crushed and twisted and utterly useless. And it goes like it being different doesn't make it good. Yeah. And and I think that's an excuse you used to often. It's like it's unique. Unique is interesting because it brings something new to the table. However, yeah. unique by itself is not a quality. It's a descriptor, which yeah. may be a quality yeah. if done well. Yeah. One of the one of my favorite games the last two years, which is Deadlight. An incredibly artistic game. It even crossed the line. It was. It approached the line of being pretentious in a, in a few spots. But in addition to being really artistic and the art style being really cool, you know, it dealt with a lot of difficult issues about death and loss and and also and and regrets. Uh, but it was also a really fun platformer survival horror game on on top of that and and really excellently well done they actually pulled off remember mass effect through the the dream sequences running through the woods mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it actually pulled off a scene like that well <laughs> like it, i looked at it and went wow that's what they were going for in mass effect and, 3 and, and coming from effective like being original or unique i mean the wolf among us and walking dead they're obviously just interactive stories i mean yeah. they're they're the puzzles are ridiculously simple if, if you get stumped on a Walking Dead puzzle, I mean, I'll be, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have 
to like take a step back. But I mean, the puzzles are pretty <laughs> straightforward. It's mostly just an interactive story where you pick dialogue choices, and okay. it's 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 somewhat linear. Like there is reflection in dialogue line, but the story still follows a somewhat linear path, yeah. except maybe a couple of divergent parts, which are interesting when they do that. And and it's a great game. People yeah. love it. I think it did deserve its Game of the Year award for many sites that gave it. However, you see, the game is unique. It's it's not a traditional game. You know, you don't jump around and shoot zombies, or there's no real action or anything like that. It's there's no tactical combat or anything you would expect from a traditional game. Yeah, very little timing and stuff like that. But it's yeah. still fun and enjoyable. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of branching off from the subject we've just been on. Um, the the, the word echo chamber has been thrown a lot, around a lot. Oddly enough, more than a few times at gamers. <laughs> uh why gamers is... an echo chamber really we're a united yeah. bunch normally yeah. I... <laughs> it's almost laughable it's almost laughable yeah we all get along so well don't we this this gaming oh, echo chamber i've got a series of articles oh, i've go, sorry, actually sorry, been go. refraining from posting about the fallacy of the hardcore <laughs> and my opinion of it is very it's not exactly approving shall we say yeah, yeah. Just it's very derogatory and you know it's like no that's pretty much we've never been this united on a single issue yeah. just to add ever just, just in the strategy genre there is like so many subsects i mean there's the tbs guys the yeah. real-time guys the grand strategy four x's the historical there's even fuse between the science fiction and the fantasy likers and considering all these variants can be interchanged like, just think of the different possibilities. Someone who likes fantasy turn-based might hate sci-fi turn-based, but like real-time space. And literally, it, it, yeah, you, you could just want – if you go into any strategy game forum, any, from any website or any game forum that does strategy, you will have feuds. I mean, feuds yeah. about, that. you know, Civ 4 versus Civ 5, yeah. uh, Civ versus a Paradox game. It, it just never ends. And, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. meanwhile, on the other side of the uh, the coin, uh, the, the the argument rather, uh, in terms of echo chambers, you've got a much more homogenous group, at least in terms of their behavior, opinions, review scores. Uh, yeah. Why is it that so many of these journalists act, sound, write, think the same? Uh, I'll, I'll put it to you, Jamin. Jamin is why is there such a numbing amount of sameness uh, when it comes to these guys? Um. Well. First of all, I think it's simply that they are a smaller group. Like, you've what, you've got about, like, what, six to eight, maybe ten major publications? Mm. You know, you can't have more than 500 to 1,000 people between them. And that's probably overtly generous, to be quite frank. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, it's just a smaller group. And the irony of it is, is that a lot of these people almost, I wouldn't say know each other, but they do meet up really often. Mm. And they share this, a lot of the same likes and dislikes, I imagine. And, you know, they may even, from what I'm hearing, live in quite close proximity to each other. So I think the group groupthink, and it is groupthink, is simply because there's a lot less of them and they have so much in common. And, you know, it's one of the things that really annoys me about this whole thing, you know, is that we're being accused of groupthink and so on and so forth, when it's really, no, they're the ones who are groupthink. There is not a single publication that will go against the grain on anything, you know. If Anita Sarkeesian pops up a new video, there won't be an article from Rock, Paper, Shotgun saying, you know, what about these issues here, 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 yeah, yeah. here, yes. you know? Yeah. 
as I was going to say, this is the weirdness of it. It's like, and like they're so in agreement that it goes like, well, because it's the truth. No, I, I don't believe in, I don't believe in, oh, just everyone suddenly agrees. Humanity is divisive. What's the saying? You get three humans in a room, you're going to have six opinions. Yeah. Now, consider this. I mean, in, in these sites agree, but here's the funny, if you look at, I'm going to use an American example, not a Canadian example, so people could get it, but MSNBC, Fox News, and, uh, and uh, CNN hate each other's guts. Right. Yeah. Uh, so why is Polygon could talk? I'm not saying they have to hate each other's guy at the same level, but why are these sites like literally like if you stand far enough, you think it's the same website? It, mm. it, it's it's the scary part. It's worrisome, yeah. and it and it uh, there's so little dissension about even minor things at times that it it um I mean <laughs> that Young, that's yeah. why that's why these words like conspiracy and stuff get thrown around so much. I think part a part of this uh, similarity tends to lend to those sorts of accusations. Yeah, if well, you discovered you... Fox News and MSNBC were owned by the same person and pushing the same agenda, yeah, you know, people are gonna people are gonna call it out. Oddly mm -hmm. enough, you know. What were you saying, G-Man? I was just gonna say I think um, I I'm going to use a British example because it's something I know quite well. It's you know there are about ten or fifteen different major news you know websites slash newspapers and they hate each other. They literally hate each other's guts. Like they will use whatever they can to get one over on their other side. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if it's the Guardian being taken to task by the Daily Mail or the Sun is just ribbing the Telegraph. They will ri literally rip each other apart. And I would never imagine, and I'm pretty sure, and I mentioned this in a tweet, Punga, is that if a Daily Mail guy met up with a Guardian guy for coffee and then went off and wrote the exact same article, they'd be sectioned because people would be like, what? Mm. It just doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. Um, getting... Moving once a in a while, ahead. agree with each other once in a while might have yeah. a big issue, but like uh, you, a, core, a choir that sounds almost unanimous on a regular basis, you're like, yeah, it, 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 it's suspicious, and I, yeah. I think I think that's you know another reason why the, the you know collusion and conspiracy and stuff like that comes in, and it's so exaggerated, obviously, but uh, I think that's part of the reason why it comes up. Um, Slate recently, uh, of all places, <laughs> wrote an article recently uh, kind of summarizing the, the matters up to about the 5th of September anyway about the uh, – basically the thesis of the article seemed to be that, uh, uh, you know, gaming journalism lashing out because they're effectively going obsolete, <laughs> which is an interesting way to look at it. Uh, it. It paints in a pretty childish light their behavior, but it's it's not – hard to disagree with i mean as we as we all know the rise of the youtubers and the youtube commentators and the let's players i mean it's been uh it, it it's it, these guys like your total biscuits your angry joes etc i mean these guys have tens of thousands of followers so obviously they have a over lot a million of both each have uh, over a million yeah really okay wow i wasn't even close <laughs> well look there's That's there's the, second uh, and third tier the, guys that have you know those sorts of numbers as well that are influential yeah and you've got like people like pewdiepie who has like 13 million yeah subscribers which well, it, is you know it does uh, population of canada ever. yeah it <laughs> yeah. does it does raise the question you know a lot of a lot of these uh, stuff about explaining away things like well we have to be close with the game developers and stuff you know we need access uh, i mean angry joe your total biscuits etc these guys don't live up the colons of the developers and yet they seem to have access and seem to be able to I mean, doesn't Total Biscuit do a bi-daily or daily sort of like yes. roundup? And he yeah, also he 
he also gets sponsored. He does disclose it. That's the transparency part. Yeah. And when he does it, he doesn't review it. It's a sponsor. Like, he hosts the thing. But he has yeah. hosts, like, tournaments for StarCraft 2. I mean, yeah. So, so, yeah, he has access. Blizzard has him hosting with Day9 yeah. and Husky. And that's not to say that he doesn't cite articles. Everyone does, yeah. you know, but... It just the ridiculousness of oh we have to be close to them so that we can <laughs> we can get access is kind of strange. The uh, that kind of brings up a point I glossed over before the subject of freebies. Now I personally I don't have a problem with them giving reviewed copies and stuff like that. I mean I I think that would be normal in a lot of different reviewing situations. You know like you know send this guy the VCR or DVD player or whatever to review it. The thing that the thing that uh, I think that people discount a little bit is the is the psychological difference that comes from that like. If you're spending your sixty US dollars or your forty forty quid or whatever it is, G man, on a yeah, on a, on a brand PC. yeah on a brand new game, the way that you feel about it and the sting that you would have from hating it or the pleasure you would receive from enjoying it, a little bit different than somebody who just gets handed it, you know, and then moves on to the next game three or four days later. I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's necessarily a thing where they're corrupt, but I do think it does lend to the disconnect between the gamer and the. Uh, and the mm. journalist at times, particularly when, I mean, some of these guys must be getting a new game, what, every week, every other, other week? Well, the procedure, uh, they probably get, sorry. there is Go a ahead. procedure, if done properly, and this mm. is where you're going, like, if they get one every week or something wrong, but the procedure generally is, uh, usually the, the review copy is only given to the actual reviewer and per the person who supervises the review process. So, oh, okay. So, so they shouldn't be giving a review copy to everyone on staff, and if they are, then I'm going to be asking questions. Yeah. Um. And, and and the thing is, I like to say you're saying money. Uh, I have the joke, and I, my joke is is that I, I always think I am critical with the games I play when I review them, but the approach I have is you're making me write about you. Screw you. I hate you. That's how I enter a review. I already hate this game because I have to write about it and it has to earn its scores. <laughs> so yeah. you, work, you work up from there, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and, you know, from my personal perspective, I don't really... Think, yes, it may add to the disconnect, but quite frankly, it's the only way they can get get you know get their job done without bankrupt themselves. Yeah. Right? You know, that's ultimately you know we can't demand anyone do that for our own personal enjoyment. I yeah. think that that's the important thing is that you know I think this is sort of I think this adds into a conversation me and Gilius have long had is that there's two actual weird forms of corruption going on here. So the traditional AAA corruption, you know, which is all about you know money so on and so forth. You know, Advertising well, dollars. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Get gamers yeah. to eat Doritos and drink Mountain Dew. Yes, exactly. Dorito Gate is a prime example of that. And then you've got what's sort of going on now where they're trying to make change gaming to something that evidently quite a lot of people don't like, you know? Mm. And I think... But, go but be careful. There is... I do agree with you. But the, the second type of corruption is still there. But some people would argue that some of the people who are behind the second type of corruption are still making money off of it. So that's the irony of yeah. it. There is someone like, sure, a lot of these people really believe in what they believe in. That's probably they're so passionate. But the ringleaders, and not to make it sound like I'm making them sound like a mafia cartel here, but the ringleaders probably don't care that much about those political views. They just see an yeah. opportunity to make money on other people's political agendas. You, that's the human nature. We're assholes. The sooner we accept that, the the faster we could learn to be better people. <laughs> yeah, this is a big question, but why? I mean, you, you, we've seen we've seen the angry pushback, and anyone who follows the, the tweets of, I mean, I, I 
is it Anthony Church that that works at Gearbox that got that was oh, <laughs> that was tearing into people? No. Like why why developers, much less journalists, would would want to fight back as much and not kind of examine just admit there's an issue? Why is it that gaming journalists and the and the people that are kind of pushing back? Why is it that they're so reluctant to examine that there are problems here? And quick to explain things away. Like, you know, you're even hearing some people saying, oh, it was already broken. Like, why even bother talking about it? Well, I mean, we are talking about it. I always thought it was broken, too. But that doesn't mean it's not worth, you know, but, you know, pushing for, for something better. What What is with the reluctance? G-Man, I'll start with you. What is the reluctance to actually own up and, and, and admit things? And we're starting to see little bits of admission. But why is it such a struggle? Um... As bad as it sounds, I'm suspecting we haven't found out a lot of things, you know. And all right, so first of all, I think the problem is that I don't think they can agree that they are in fact corrupt. Like they don't see what they're doing now as corruption. Right. And this also somewhat ties into uh, another element of it, which I'm pretty sure we'll touch on later. Is that they don't see this as corruption. What they literally cannot see it. You know, they're inside the glass bowl and they cannot see it. You know, and I think that's the big part of it. So you literally cannot see this as corruption and see why we might think it's wrong. And I think the other aspect of it is maybe there's more that we're not seeing. You know, that we've really not been spending too long on this. And, mm. you know, I'm suspecting we are, there's more, you know, and they're hoping that if they browbeat us enough and yeah. tell us to go away and maybe ignore us, give us a couple of applications that aren't really applications and we'll go away. Mm. You know, and that's the only thing I can really think of, to be honest. How about, you, how about you, Gil? I agree, but I will add this, and it doesn't dismiss what G-Man said. I fully agree on that angle as well. But And this is now me being a culture critic. Um, uh, but if you look at it, in our culture, uh, admitting that you're wrong is considered a flaw. Like, being conviction and st stubbornness is almost a virtue. And I don't know why, because the intellectual mind, the rational mind, knows how to criticize itself and change it. That's actually the strength of strength. You can admit your mistakes and move on and better yourself. But it seems our culture has extremely valued being stubborn. Like, you know, conviction. Uh, you stand by your values and virtues. Hmm. So if they believed in or what lack they were of. doing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or lack of. But if you believed in something, even a lack of virtues, if you believed in that, then why would you admit you're wrong? I mean, it, you show your strength by not backing down. And it's like, though some could agree that that's what the gamers are, that we are also being stubborn. And But, you know, so it's never an easy solution just looking at it. But ultimately, human beings, at least in our culture, and I maybe in history, you know, might be very well prevalent throughout history, is we're stubborn fucks. Um, I apologize for the language, but yeah. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to change. Yeah, I, and I, th I think uh, there's also the element of, and, and this has been brought up by a few people, that they already feel threatened in terms of their position and their pockets, you know? Not, not that anyone's getting <laughs> super rich on this stuff. I don't think that's the point. But, you know, they're seeing, they're seeing YouTubers and people that are doing it for free, in some cases, doing it better <laughs> and doing it with less agenda. And, uh, I mean, they don't want to go quietly into that into that dark night and that you know that human tendencies as ed pointed out are to fight back and and to, to dig in your heels and yeah. uh i think the ones that are likely to survive are the ones that are are the ones that are going to be able to actually self-examine and 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 admit there's some need for a change um i almost forgot the uh concept of clickbait 
uh, which is kind of the new yellow journalism for <laughs> for the for this century, uh, and un- unfortunately, far too often the clickbait it surrounds you know the the the, the SJW uh, t- issues. Uh, why? I mean, I guess it's a silly question to ask. You know, why is it that so-called journalists, you know, constantly go back to this cheap? trick to try and attack to attract attention and let's face it it's all about clicks right i mean these sites live and die by page views and clicks but it's just become so nakedly obvious what they're doing like just the the like the whole the whole gag about write a hashtag write a kotaku kotaku article is so hilarious because of how close it is to the truth <laughs> yeah well, like, uh, well part of the problem is is that it doesn't matter if you're clicking on an article in order to see if it's bullshit or not once mm. you've clicked it they've yep. made their money they made their money so they don't care if you read it or not they just want to click it yeah. and admittedly there are solutions to this you know there's adblock plus there's using archive and do not link though i wouldn't advise do not link archive uh well, the Internet Archive is a much better resource for ensuring they don't get their ads dollars. Mm. But the thing is, is that once they've got their link uh, clicked... But on the other hand, if I can interject, but if you do like the site, I do suggest you turn off your ad blocker for yeah. those guys. Because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they obviously. do deserve your money, <laughs> if you like yes, them, if, that is. If yeah. you like their content, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the thing, really, I believe, is that, is that it doesn't matter to them, you know, if you click it or not, if you read it. Once they've got your click, that's all they care for you about, you know, and your personal data, because they can make a mint out of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to touch on that because it seems so, you know, like it's they're they're, they don't even try to defend it, you know, like and yet it's just, you know, another thing on the list that that people want to see a change. Well, I mean, let I I think we've made a lot of good points. I I want to get to kind of the outcomes and the consequences of all this. Um. I was going to ask, you know, why are people turning to YouTubers and Let's Players? But I think we've answered that, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> because, I think I think I'll because they don't do all the stuff yeah. that we just talked yeah. about. Um, and they and yeah, they seem like just normal gamers too. Isn't that like a big part of it as well? I mean, uh, even even Francis, the uh, the the, the uh, character, seems more closer to yeah. a, a real gamer than some of these uh, supposedly but, real journalists. Be careful! I've heard some rumors that Boogie's the fake personality and Francis is the real one. Oh, okay. So it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, well, what? I guess I've got a couple questions. What needs to happen? What's going to be the fallout of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, G-Man, fast forward to months from now or maybe a year from now. What should happen and what do you think is going to happen as a result of all this game? Um, I know it's a big let's, question, but... <laughs> let's, start, let's start with the optimistic one. What should happen? <laughs> um, right, so what needs to happen is... What should, well, hopefully will happen is... Um, they will start trying to remove the politics of from remove politics from gaming because a big lot of what's going on is politics and especially this agenda so termed SJW which I something I largely agree with. The yeah, agenda is social justice. Uh, yes, the SJW agenda. term is is a derogative to people. Yeah, the, the, over the agenda extremists. is social extremists. I don't generally don't don't Overplay. disagree with the agenda. I disagree with their method because they are insane. And they really are insane. So what really needs to happen is is that journalists need to go back to being journalists. They need to just stick to the reviews, news, 
and so on and so forth. And if they want to do opinion pieces, then they do editorials or op-eds. Hmm. You know, well, hopefully what I'd like to see is more enforcement on ethics. Like, if you are going to support a Patreon, fine, but you've got to be upfront about it and you can't hide it. If you are going to be buddy-buddy with certain developers, that's fine. But if you're fucking them, you should not be reviewing their games. Because that's, I, you know, that sort of level. If you disclose that, I wouldn't read your article. So it's not one that should be approved. <laughs> um, if, uh, if you are, you know, if you are only read, you know, and I think the other thing to consider is that ultimately uh, I would like to see less sensationalism as well. And I think most people would echo that such things, you know, you'd like to see more focus on actual content than, you know, sensationalism, sensationalist clickbait. Yep. So ultimately, those are the three things I'd hope to see. Now, what do I expect to see? <laughs> yes. Um, none of that. I expect to see... I'm, I'm ha- I hold that hope for the escapists. I hope that they do what they say they do, and it's sufficient. No, though, this has all left me rather jaded. So hopefully we will see that. But honestly, I suspect what we'll see is no enforcement of ethical policies, no, you know, dis- no further disclosures, more sensationalism. Like, um, I don't know if you know about this, but about two years ago, um, someone, uh, Brad Waddell, who's the creator of Galsiv and uh, works for, who is the owner and CEO of, and founder of Stardust, so, got, yeah, Stardust, got accused of sexually harassing a female employee. Mm. And this, this obviously took the biggest spin of, uh, this guy harasses women. Look how evil he is. Now, a couple of months down the line, she apologized. She. It turns out that he was wholly in the right. She had stolen materials related to work. He had never sexually assaulted or harassed him or her. And the all they did was was a addition, an editor's note for the archives so you know there's no article saying you know claims are proven false it's not bumped to the front page it's just left drifting in the article so even to this day despite the fact that she said sorry admitted that she's wrong by saying sorry because some people don't seem to understand that concept sadly Mm -hmm. um people still believe he's a sexual harasser and Mm. that's the danger of sensationalism is that people like him are getting unfairly tarred and I suspect we'll see more of that, and especially more against gamers. I suspect we're going to see, I wouldn't say open war, but I suspect they are going to be less hidden of their disdain us. Yeah. What about you, Ed? Uh, have you got a, uh, yeah. a optimistic versus pessimistic? Yes. Uh, all right. First of all, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a, a moderate here. What I mean by that is, first of all, on our end, I think we should stop using the term SJW, and it's not because I'm trying to be overly sensitive, but... I mean, we don't like getting called names. They could be totally nuts, right? Like, you totally think they're freaking insane. But it's yeah. a little hypocritical to use a purgatory, uh, purga, whatever the word is. The pejorative. I do apologize. Yeah, using a pejorative just... when we don't like pejoratives on ourselves. Yeah. Uh, they're extremists. It's an accepted word in the English language. And not all of them are extremists. So that distinction needs to be made because we ask for that distinction ourselves. So... You know, uh, always treat your enemy with the same respect you want to be treated yourself. Um, I, I think that's one of the things we, at least if we want to have a proper dialogue, is at least with those who are not on the deep end, is to to literally stop using the pejorative. Um, and they're just extremists uh, of their cause. Now, for the journalism, 
what I think they need to do is exactly set up a code of ethics and enforce it. And what I mean enforce it is, I mean, people, you know, this is, we never, like, this is going to make me unpopular, but we're always like, I don't want people to lose their jobs. I worked as a manager. I fired people. It's the reality of the world. People who don't cut it get fired. It's, it's, you don't wish it on someone, but it is a necessity if someone fails at the task. Um, people get fired, uh, like it or not. I mean, we're not living in a command economy. And um, uh, there you get fired, literally, with a gun. But anyways, no, but people do get fired from their jobs. And this is what enforcement, and this is going to happen. Um, but ultimately, this is how you know there is enforcement, because to be fair, how the industry has been running up to this point, I imagine when they start enforcing, there'll be people cocking it up. Uh, so I'll be <laughs> very surprised no one's going to get fired. Um, it's still pessimistic as a view. I do expect some sites might be able to pull their act together. Um, maybe in time, maybe not in time, like they actually try and still lose popularity or they succeed and maintain some popularity and that'll be good for them and they could hold their head high if they pull this off. But I expect some sites to not give a damn or come up with like a code of ethics that is entirely just, you know, digital ink on digital paper and have zero enforcement. But we're going to, since we've been riled up and I imagine people are going to keep a close eye. So those sites who, you know, talk big and don't walk the talk, uh, they're going to get called out. And um, this is where two outcomes I see. The first one is some of these sites might lose prevalence. And exactly, just like people going uh, fired, companies go bankrupt. Yeah. It's the inevitability of the free market. Uh, don't like it, and, you know, move to Russia. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and the second thing we're going to see in this is that some sites might just hold to their gun and keep their audience, oddly enough. The schism. In a way, there might be a schism necessary in game journalism. A group chooses to be what we gamers claim we want and cater to that in another group who want to go pontificate the uh, nuances of culture and social impact of games, and they go their merry way. And if they hold to their audience, they have every right to exist as is, but they're not going to have us as an audience. And this is... But here's the thing. Even if we're not their audience, they should not take pot shots at us. It's 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 just like as I was saying, we shouldn't pot shot at them. We shouldn't they shouldn't pot shot at us. However, they have to be prepared. The question is, is that like do they have the audience? Time will tell. Um, but don't they they cannot assume that they're the ones who are gonna have the entire audience and our side will have zero, right? No, it's it's the free market will sort this out. Um, the end of this is that it will be up to us as gamers to figure out what side is what, right? Which side caters to a political agenda and which side caters to just, you know, let's play some damn game, some damn games here. And, <laughs> and we choose and it will be, you know, an informed consumer base is a powerful consumer base. Yeah. I don't have a huge amount to end, uh, to add to that. Um, I would like to see, um, I, I would like to see the people that are I, – I don't normally – when I hear boycott and stuff like that, I, I normally kind of roll my eyes. But I would like to see the people that are saying, don't read these sites. Let's not – you know, when, when they're when they're not going to be respectful. I'd like to see people actually stick to that. I unfortunately yes. think that – I think that the people that don't like the sites that they don't like are going to continue to go back because – they just <laughs> they won't be able to help themselves you know they have to go there to be able to to uh, criticize it ad, blo ad blockers are notwithstanding um i'd i'd like to see the sites that um that, that drift away from from the audiences uh, that, that that read them suffer the, the consequences of yeah. that uh if they're not at least if they're not going to be respectful about it like it's it's one thing for your you know you know your tone or writing to change but 
to be outwardly belligerent toward your audience. I just don't think there's any no, need for exactly. that. And you, did, and you deserve to uh, see your site traffic fall as a, as a result of that. You could yeah. choose to be on the left side of the schism if you want, but it doesn't mean the right side is dirt or crap or dead yeah. or something. Yeah. You know? I'd like to see more game sites that are independent of their ownership structures and, and less like the, these media companies and so on that that own a lot of these big sites. I, I, I'm not comfortable, never have been with the connections. And I think sites that are less beholden to these to groups and, and beholden to less masters is a better outcome for, for anybody. It's not hard to understand why these, you know, things have been purchased or in, incorporated together over time but i don't think any good comes of it at least in terms of the the output that the, the companies make certainly not in terms of the uh, points of view <laughs> any being diversified um and, and i'd i'd like to see uh well oh, sorry another thing that i think that's going to come out of it is i think the youtube uh, phenomenon is just going to uh and the twitches etc i think they're just going to continue to grow and grow and grow uh, and i think this is only going to accelerate it um I, I think, and look, I, it's not to say that people on YouTube couldn't be compromised or there couldn't be ethical concerns there too. There of has course, been a, there, there has be. been a small scandal a few what a month or two back where, yeah, uh, yeah there was some uh, underhanded payments. Oh, being and Machine yeah. may have done some things already that are that are sketchy. But look, so far, what I've seen <laughs> from you, the, the YouTube commentators and and the guys that are just you know one guy in a camera has been a lot less sketchy. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> a quote. Uh, at least when it came to uh, Jeff Keeley, all he wanted us is to eat Doritos and drink Mountain Dew while we're gaming. And in the light of what we've seen lately, it doesn't seem so bad after no. all. <laughs> no, um, a quote from an internet aristocrat is, uh, yes. yeah. you know, it's like, you know, you know who really come out of this? Well, Jeff Keeley. You know, he should really be thanking these people because you know what? I know he's not one of the five guys because the Pope is celibate. <laughs> and uh, that's the ultimate truth of it is, is lots of these people come out looking oh so much better. <laughs> from you know, by comparison, yeah. I have a very quick yeah. thing to add because it just came to my mind now that you made that joke. I think in a way why these sites got popular is I, I think if I'm like looking at it is most of all, like, I think if you look at Dorito Gate and all that, I think that's what caused a lot of gamers to go to these alternative sites. I mean, it was IGN and GameSpot that they practically had the monopoly. If you were a small site, you basically had to be catering to something IGN wasn't covering. But people lost confidence in those sites because we thought too much publisher collusion. Well, not collusion, sorry, publisher influence. Yeah threatening of ad revenue well in the in the um, case of ign yeah. also they just suck i mean yes. like an airplane toilet yeah. they're just awful yes and <laughs> people left people left and looked for other media and these guys came and that probably explains the backlash why it's so violent we felt cheated and went to them and then we're feeling cheated by them you're always going to be more pissed off at the second person who cheats on you and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes oh i did not mean that intentionally um but but and that and that's why the backlash is there like you know to quote uh you know that that movie there they were the chosen ones and um they failed at it and yeah. and that's the backlash yeah. and well, for, further to those last two points, I guess my last question would be because I I'm I don't pretend to know for sure. I'd like to see some chickens come home to roost, but will the big gaming news site suffer from this? And is the journalist relationship, journalist gamer relationship in these places, is it permanently damaged? What say you, G Man? Um, for these people, I would almost suggest that if they continue on their 
I wouldn't say it's permanently damaged yet, but I think we're teetering so close to the edge now, and they seem so intent on road runnering over it <laughs> that it might as well be considered completely gone. The trust, yeah. the trust is dead, and outside of a few of the sites, like uh, the actually outside of the Escapist, yeah, no. Well, it, Forbes, yeah. I, I like the coverage at Forbes a lot. I mean, you know, the, there's probably five or six contributors, and I like two or three of them. Uh, they don't seem to be compromised, if not, if nothing else. They're, they don't, you know, yeah. don't like well, all uh, of them. But, yeah. You know, even Forbes come, come out dirty, if not uh, entirely tainted by this. You know, yeah. it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, Tassie's, you know, Mr. Tassie's first article, and only article, was essentially... Uh, complete hit piece that missed the point of it yeah and eric kane's first and second articles they've almost seen a clear evolution from this is pointless to this is misogynistic to okay i'm okay be careful of those right-wing people joining in but you know i'm not entirely against you yeah yeah Mm. So what what about you, Gilly? Do you think uh, do you think they're going to suffer if if you know reader for readership for money for? I think I think there will be a consequence. There is a reckoning always. I mean, some sites have said they might be able to pull their act together, and those who want to drift to the other side of the schism, my advice to those: if you actually do want a readership or people to take you seriously, uh, you got to treat the other side of the schism with respect. So, so but those who are hateful, like those who drift away but are hateful. I think they're going to get their dues. And those who want to walk the middle and pretend they're, you know, gaming journalism news sites, but still act like they're in the social commentary, uh, political, cultural analysis side, they too will suffer. They're going to have to choose which side of the schism they're going to be on. Those who choose to be on the gamer side of the schism, clean up your act, enforce it. And if you're lucky, you might be able to not redeem, well, redeem yourself, but there is going to be some some consequences. And it's they're going to have to recover. They're going to have to build back that trust from not zero, from negative 10. They're going to have to start from the negative and build that trust back up. And I as I said, the drifters, they need to uh, realize that, you know, uh, insulting the people who don't join you in your path are fully entitled to that. Um, and they need to afford that respect, and then they could do whatever they freaking want within themselves, obviously. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just say, look for mine. Just like I said in my in my in that article I wrote, uh, I, I'd be I'd be happy just to see the pendulum swim swing back yes. the other way. Honestly, yeah. I, I'd uh, I'd probably pre- I'd probably prefer that things just stay about ga- games oh, by and large. Personally, but... personally, yes, I would rather there were more. Uh, you know what you said. I want more sites yeah. that focus on the gaming. It's just yeah. that, you know, I, I acknowledge the right of everyone to choose what they want. But it said, me personally, I want that side. And I will not be interested in the other side. You, you know, you know if, um, if I can just add my uh, last sensible result, just look to wrap up. It's, um, ultimately, from my personal perspective, what we're seeing here is, I wouldn't say we're entirely to blame, but I think what we're seeing is the end result drumming out our right-wing elements. Just to bring a little bit of politics, like you know, if we had maybe more right-wing moderates, maybe just maybe we wouldn't have seen this extreme left swing. You know, so a diver- I- so a diversity of opinion would have would have yeah uh, yeah because you know, uh, because yeah. if you I I outlined this in a tweet, but there are like three solutions. You either agree to remove gaming entirely, uh, politics from gaming entirely, 
Good you, luck. <laughs> yeah, good fucking yeah. And I say at this point you'd have to burn down the sites that support it. So you know that's not really practical. The second solution is to accept politicization, but you've got to stop trying to destroy the right right wing, and there has to be counterbalance to this extreme left wing sort of stuff. And you know I'm saying this as someone who closely identifies as old Labour before old Maggie oh. Thatcher shut down half the mines all over Britain. Well, when I say half, yeah. I mean all and, over. and quickly add, if you do bring politics and bring balance, you need the balance. But more importantly, even if you have the balance, don't overdo it, right? It's yeah. it, it's like, it's still gaming. I mean, yeah. uh, yes, there, there is politics and everything, but, you know, you don't politicize in the middle of a restaurant if chicken yeah. is right wing and beef is left wing. You know, you, yeah, you don't, uh, you know. Ulti yeah. Ultimately, the, a balance would help to establish that because, yeah. you, know, you know, mutual annihilation of media. Or the third solution is somewhere in between you accept the politicization of video games but you spin out separate publications like clearly there are clearly these writers want to be cultural critics yeah like, they have an appetite for it <laughs> yeah they they have quite an enjoy high appetite so if they really want to do that then go ahead and just spin up some sister publications like kotaku culture you know mm. and then leave normal kotaku to be about games but because mm. you know i don't think gamers want to drum out anyone they just want the main media to be apolitical or yes. if if not apolitical then a balance at least more balance what's, yeah. what's the joke i once told you in a previous conversation to have no politics you'd have to have both sides agreeing to the ceasefire the problem yeah. is one side wasn't there to sign the peace treaty and the other side was free to reign whatever he wanted <laughs> yeah yeah i was uh, very, yeah i very much agree with that well thank well thank you guys uh that's uh Fun, 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 but difficult discussion to have, and uh, God knows we might have to come back to it. I'd like to say that a year from now there might be some developments that uh, are more positive than negative, but we'll see. We'll just get to my uh, my uh, high score quiz, which as always is tied to the topic in the case of journalism, and uh, it'll be a multiple choice. Um, and we'll start uh, by asking you first, G-Man. A poor, back to the subject of uh, previous gaming uh, scandals, a poor review score of the game Kane and Lynch Dead Men back in 2007 has been confirmed to be the cause behind the firing of former GameSpot editor Jeff Gersman, now of Giant Bomb, owing to threats from IDOS to pull away advertising revenue from that site. What was the score out of 10 that Gersman gave to the game in question? Was it A, 6 out of 10, B, 5 out of 10, or C, or out of 10, you reckon? I believe it was 6 out of 10. How about you, Gilly? Um, um, I believe it was, a, you said there was a 6, a 4, and a 5? 6, 5, and 4, yep. I, I think he gave it um, a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Well, it was in fact, uh, it was in fact six out of ten. G-Man, you got it right. A a, uh, t a horrible six out of ten score. Yeah, is what, know, is what you know, pushed IDOS to make the threats. You know what's funny <laughs> it's about just that? About average. A, a, a six is not a good score because, to be fair, if you want to be a good game, you don't want a six. But a six is like some people are going to have fun with it. That's what a six <laughs> is. It's like yeah. some people will have fun with it. I mean, wow, like you know, a five. I could, uh, they don't have the right to do it. But I'm saying a five, you could start seeing people getting testy. <laughs> a four, I expect IDOS would be torching the place with Molotov cocktails. But but yeah, for a six yeah. out of ten, 
Yeah, maybe don't send them a toke back next time, you know? Uh, <laughs> Chris, at the risk of bringing up a whole other topic, isn't it interesting how in the intervening years it's gone seven is outrageous and now even eight? <laughs> yes. It's yeah. outrageous, eight. I think someone yeah. gave it eight for watchdogs and got criticized for yeah. that. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, here we, uh, here we go again. Uh, eventually it'll just be uh, gradients between 8.5 and well, 10. Didn't and someone get be... criticized for giving a game a 9 out of 10 because it deserved a 10 out of yeah, 10? So yeah. we're already there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually it's you're probably right. We probably have already released that ridiculous point. The eight is the new hate was last year. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my old school recommendation of the week, which I've also managed, I was sitting here thinking, how in the hell do I do I uh, get journalism uh, <laughs> a game? And then I remembered uh, a game from my distant past. Uh, one of my favorite old Sierra Online adventure games, uh, The Colonel's Bequest, uh, which was a, a very Interesting departure uh, for, for Sierra Online, a game starring uh, an aspiring journalist and student, one Laura Bow, who is a daughter of a detective in the game. It's part adventure game, part Agatha Christie story. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot you know there's a lot of people at a house that's kind of, that's kind of separated. They're all there, incidentally, to hear the reading of a will. They all uh, hate one another, <laughs> which helps for these uh, <laughs> these stories. And one by one, people start dropping dead, and it's up to the uh, it's up to the main character, uh, the journalist Laura Bow, to use her investigative powers to try and uh, crack the case and to survive the evening. Uh, the game progresses in in half uh, fifteen minutes spurts. The story progresses as clues and things are discovered, or plot uh, and conversations happen. Very interesting game. Uh, it was about the only thing I could think of that was actually starring a journalist that I could think of. Um, and uh, look, if you um, if you like Sierra Adventure games, it's definitely a bit off the wall in terms of the standard stuff. It's not a Space Quest. It's not a King's Quest. Even though you know those 16-bit graphic graphics are very reminiscent of that sort of uh, King's Quest Four era of gameplay. Uh, Space Quest Three. Do you remember Space Quest Three, Gilly? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember well, the space. The, gra quest the graphics are that that exact engine that Colonel's Request. It was from that uh, very same time where you had a mouse, but really all the mouse was good for was just you know clicking to move you in that direction. Not a great deal else. Uh, but yeah, one of my old favorites from Sierra Online. I have no. It was a PC game. Have no idea where you'd find it these days. But my answer to that is emulators. I'm sure. I'm sure you'd find it out there somewhere. Uh, or it's, maybe it's even on GOG or something like that. But yeah, no. check it out. It also has a really interesting sequel called The Dagger of Amon Ra, which is a bit more up to date. It's kind of the King's Quest V era. There's actually voice and stuff in some versions. Great game. A quick plug for Enthusiacs. Our, uh, every other Friday, we have our advice column, uh, Enthusiask, by our own Oliver Fiasco. Uh, if you like, uh, if you like uh, advice about uh, gaming and nerd sort of uh, issues and, or, or, and you like seeing people get uh, them have a new orifice torn out, uh, Oliver is your man. Uh, he, he doesn't suffer any fools and uh, <laughs> he, uh, he's, our, he's our treasured uh, advice columnist here at, at Enthusiast. Um, well, thank you um, to G-Man and thank you again to Gil. Uh, we probably could have gone two or three <laughs> hours on this topic, and I hope you'll join me again if we have to. God willing, we, we will have to come back to it with some positive uh, stuff to say, but Hopefully. I have this funny feeling that it'll be round four <laughs> of the gaming scandals that'll it'll get us it's back gonna, on this subject. It's going to get uglier before it gets nicer. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say yeah, it, but I think get... we're all agreed that, that, that it will. Once again, uh, our Twitter feed is at Enthusiacs, and our YouTube channel for all our content is Enthusiacs. Um, we have a thriving forum community. 
and enthusiasts, our forum button will lead you there. Uh, sign up and uh, join in to uh, add to the discussion. Our email mailbag address for this uh, podcast is pointstreakandenthusiasts.com if you've got any questions or feedback or suggestions. Man, if we were ever going to get feedback about a, an episode, it'd be this one, huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks again to, 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 uh, to Ed and G-Man, and uh, thank you for joining us, and join us again for another episode of Point Streak. Thanks, guys. My pleasure.